Websites for O'Hare and Midway airports and several other airports nationwide were down Monday morning in a suspected cyber attack, which one report said originated from inside Russia. And this past weekend, passengers aboard an Amtrak train from Michigan to Chicago experienced severe delays and were left without power, heat and bathroom access. I'll talk about it with Cranes reporter Corley J. The spokesman said that they have vendors that they reach out to for buses and none of the vendors had any buses available. But I would really love to know how you have multiple bus vendors, but none of them were available for this crisis. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Wednesday, October 12th. At Wintrust Community Banks, you're more than just another account number. No matter your stage of life, Wintrust's dependable bankers are as dedicated to your financial success as you are. After three decades of serving communities across Chicagoland, Wintrust has built its reputation on exceptional customer satisfaction and a strong local presence. That's why Wintrust is proud to be ranked number one in customer satisfaction in retail banking in Illinois by J.D. Power. Visit Wintrust.com slash J.D. Power to learn more about Wintrust's award-winning banking experience. Members FDIC. For J.D. Power 2022 award information, visit J.D power.com slash awards. So this past weekend, passengers aboard an Amtrak train from Michigan to Chicago experienced pretty severe delays and they were left without power, without heat and without bathroom access. I'm joined now by Cranes reporter Corley Jay, who has been doing reporting on this. Okay. This sounds like a nightmare of a travel experience for folks. What what happened exactly? The train ride, which is initially like five to seven hours, so I'll say around six and a half hours, turned into a 19-hour commute because it was a power issue related to the engine. So that caused the initial delay. It was uh, nine hours when they finally got to Jackson, and that's when the first uh, round of people just decided to leave. They weren't supposed to leave, you know, like because they – uh, I don't think it was a stop, but they left anyway. People got their rides and got people to pick them up. And then they also experienced another delay in East Chicago, Indiana, which is about 35 minutes from Chicago. And they said that they stopped because employees are not able to work more than 12 hours continuously. So they had to switch uh, staff. And they said the staff was coming from Battle Creek. It took them more than an hour to get there. But also... They experienced brake problems while in Indiana. According to one rider, they arrived at 7 o'clock in Indiana, but then end up leaving close to midnight. And that's when a lot of the uh, riders got fed up, you know, and uh, they left. Sure. And so what was the deal with with heat and bathroom access? Was that because of power? Yes, because it was a power-related issue. There was no electricity, so people were saying they were cold. And also the toilets were not flushing. So the uh, bathrooms ended up being inaccessible and uh, that made people mad. It said it was a foul odor. Yeah. And I can only imagine. I, I hate porta potties. So <laughs> it's like a porta potty situation and that just sounds horrible. Like, and I have a bladder problem, Amy, Amy. So I know that I would have to use the bathroom like at least, at least five times during that commute. So I would have definitely left the situation. I don't know anybody that could hold it for 19 hours. So I think, I think everybody would have had to 
had to go. What is what is Amtrak saying at this point? Are they are they reimbursing people? And 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 what about the arrangements that people made? Uh, there's so much to unpack here. Yeah. So according to a spokesman named Mark Magliari, he said that they will be issuing refunds, vouchers, whatever the passengers want. Uh, according to one passenger, she just got it. They they received a phone call while they were on the train saying that they would get vouchers. They didn't say anything about reimbursement. But she said that uh, she already knows a lot of people are going to want their money back. They're not going to want vouchers because they're not going to want to ride the train again after this incident, especially if it was their first train. Sure. Uh, she said that she rides the train a lot coming from Michigan to Chicago. She makes the commute a lot. So she would accept the voucher. But maybe people who who didn't have that, that you know, that kind of train experience, that would be. Yeah, definitely a turnoff. That'd stick with you. Yeah. They will not start issuing the reimbursements until they know riders' preference on if they want vouchers or money. But uh, again, according to the voicemail that she sent, they just said vouchers. And also, uh, like I said, people uh, got Ubers and other ride shares from the train when they left. He didn't say that they would be reimbursed for those rides. He said that they would be reimbursed for the amount of the train ride, the Amtrak ride. Hmm. So if you ended up taking like a long Uber, say from exactly, exactly 35 minutes outside of Chicago, you took an Uber, that's not going to be inexpensive. That's going to be pretty different than a train ride. Exactly. I imagine people would be pushing for that. And also the uh, people that left from the Jackson uh, train, I think that one guy left from Jackson, he said that his commute was $200 from that Jackson, Michigan to wherever he was going in Chicago was $200. So I would want my money back for that. I'm pretty sure they're going to receive a lot of complaints if they haven't already. And so what is the normal cost for, for that ticket? So a typical train ticket from Detroit to Chicago says minimum $40, average ticket price $72. And this guy spent $200 on an Uber. So that's definitely a, a huge difference. And I'll be buying for my money back. For sure. So why did this happen in the first place? What caused that power outage? Is, is Amtrak talking about that? No, they're not talking about what caused it. But um, what's interesting, there are usually three trains that come from Michigan to Chicago, one of the uh, passengers pointed that out to me. And when you go to their website, they address this and said there is because of equipment shortage and why they're only running two trains opposed to the three trains. They also had the brake problem when they reached East Chicago. Uh, one thing that riders were complaining about was that they were asking about buses and Amtrak employees were saying that, oh yeah, we're, we're asking about it. We don't know what's going on or they're supposed to be getting buses, but the spokesman said that they have vendors that they reach out to for buses and none of the vendors had any buses available. But I would really love to know how you have multiple bus vendors, but none of them were available for this crisis. I would think that that would be a huge thing when you wanted to, you know, get on this ASAP, you know? Because that's pretty standard practice for Amtrak. If they have to make a stop, they'll use buses is, is what I understand. Yeah, right. And I, I I don't know, but when I, from my research, I think that they kind of partnered with Greyhound as well for their buses, but they weren't immediately available to answer any questions either. So recently, the Department of Transportation kind of went after airlines and they were talking about air passenger delays. Any comment from, from DOT there about train delays? No, no comment from them either. So that's a proposed policy. It's not in effect right now. But what it would do is basically give people 
refunds, full refunds for uh, delays, major delays, and also COVID-19 related instances. So like say a city is shut down because of COVID-19 numbers, then you can get your money back if you're traveling there. We will see this in the instance of Amtrak because this was a huge delay, you know, and you would get a full refund instead of saying that you're going to get a voucher. According to Maglieri, the spokesperson with Amtrak, they kind of have these contract carrier policies that address this. But when I looked at it, it didn't say anything on policies for delays. It just talks about if you have problems, you have to cancel a flight and a refund policy with that. But it doesn't say their refund policy if it's a delay on their part. The problem is one of theirs. I think it'll be interesting to see if this creates some change maybe for a wider swath of transportation and not just airlines. I think that it definitely will lead to that because um, I actually got an email from a a reader who said that how this happens so often because of freight operations on um, Amtrak's Amtrak's lines. And a lot of developed cities have a more efficient train system. I would not be surprised if you see some changes happening really soon, but honestly, it won't be soon enough. Certainly not not in time for the passengers that were stuck on this train over the weekend. Yeah, it was like I just can't imagine being in that scenario, Amy. Like it makes me so sad when I was speaking to the to the commuter and how she said that she's been in so many situations where like a train would hit a car or something like that, but it it doesn't amount to what happened over this weekend with Amtrak. It sounds like just kind of the perfect storm of so many things that went wrong at once. You know, we have the the labor deadline, you have the delays, you have the power outage, you have the buses not available. It was just thing after thing after thing that that I'm sure made for some really frustrated travelers. Sounds like something like from a movie or a TV show, right? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the uh, the Groundhog Day blizzard in 2010 or 2011, when that, whenever that was, mm-hmm. that people were stuck on buses on Lakeshore Drive. It kind of reminded me, some of the quotes you got from passengers in your reporting kind of reminded me of some of those, of people just kind of like, well, can't get off the bus. I'm just going to sit here for a while during this blizzard. Well, I think that was 2011. I think it was too. I was I was still in high school and I had made this, this long walk to McDonald's from my house. It was like an epic trip because of the snow. There was a lot of epic trips that week for sure. For sure. <laughs> of course, a lot of uh, iconic photos that, that we got uh, at the time. I was with a different news organization, but we had, that was our front page was, was Lakeshore Drive with those, with those buses on it. So, and all those stuck cars. So indeed. All right. Well, thanks so much, Corley. Always a pleasure. For sure. Thank you. Coming up, you Chicago spin out wants to change how we think about gut bacteria, and it could be big business. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Bull dealt drugs, got caught, and served his time. He returns to Lakeview and his home, now unrecognizable. Presented in partnership with CLATA's Destinos Festival, Come See Bull, a love story at the Copley Theater in Aurora. Be the first to see the world premiere play written by Nancy Garcia Loza and directed by Laura Alcala Baker in downtown Aurora. Don't miss your chance to experience a Latino family coming back together after a decade apart. Bull, a love story, runs October 5th through November 20th. Get tickets today at ParamountAurora.com. That's ParamountAurora.com. This is the Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth.
Amid a shifting commercial real estate market, one type of property continues to pay off for investors, and that is grocery stores. Crane's Albie Galoon reported that in northwest suburban Crystal Lake, a Mariano's supermarket recently changed hands for nearly $36 million, generating a hefty gain for the New York investor that sold it. The price represents a 41% increase in value since the nearly 75,000-square-foot store last sold about four years ago. Similarly, in June, a Jewel Osco in Glenview sold for $17.7 million, up from 42% in December of 2017 when it sold for $12.5 million. Galoon noted in reporting that as necessity-based retailers, grocery stores offer a measure of safety in a risky retail market disrupted by e-commerce competition. And Mariano's stores have been an especially hot commodity for a while. Over the summer, a Mariano's in the South Loop traded for $52.4 million, Galoon also reported, up from $40.5 million in a prior sale in 2014. The Crystal Lake store on Northwest Highway opened in 2018 just a few months before a venture led by New York investor Michael Tsumpas bought it for $25.2 million. That according to MSCI Real Capital Analytics, a New York research firm. The venture sold the store earlier this month to a New York family office for a reported $35.5 million, according to broker Jason Meyer, senior director in the New York office of Stan Johnson, though he declined to identify the buyer. Websites for O'Hare and Midway Airports were down on Monday morning in a suspected cyber attack involving several other airports nationwide. ABC News said the attack came from within Russia. The outage didn't affect flight or security operations at any of the airports. The Chicago Department of Aviation said in a statement, quote, Early Monday, FlyChicago.com and related websites for O'Hare and Midway International Airports went offline. The statement continued by saying that no airport operations were affected and that City of Chicago IT staff were immediately working to restore the website's functionality. The statement also said that the city's Information Security Office and the Department of Assets, Information and Services was investigating the cause of the outage. ABC News reported that the denial-of-service attacks also impacted websites of LaGuardia, LAX, and Atlanta's Hartsfield-Jackson airports. A denial-of-service attack jams a website by overloading it with fake users, according to cybersecurity expert John Holquist, who spoke with ABC News. Such attacks are high-profile, but largely superficial and usually temporary. He said. On the heels of its first dilutive seed funding round that closed with $1.5 million recently, University of Chicago spin-out Covira Surgical hopes to raise another $15 million on its way toward commercializing an innovative approach to preventing post-surgical infections. Crane's John Aspland reported that the company plans to submit an investigational new drug application to the FDA for its drug CS0003 in the next 13 months, funding an expansion of the company with a Series A funding round targeted to raise $15 million, Covira's CEO told Cranes in an interview. The company says the drug can inhibit potentially harmful gut bacterial virulence without altering bacterial growth and viability. In other words, the compound is meant to help ward off in-hospital infections after surgeries, the CEO said, working with the body's gut microbiome, not against it. The Chicago-based company has commercialization offices at the Helix 51 incubator of Rosalind Franklin University in North Chicago and science lab space at UChicago's Alverty Labs, where Covira's founder, Dr. John Alverty, came up with the foundational science for the drug. The company estimates that the potential opportunity for the drug by 2037 could peak at $2.5 billion.
Faculty and staff at City Colleges of Chicago plan to strike the week of October 24th if they don't reach a tentative agreement with their employer. According to Tony Johnston, president of the Cook County College Teachers Union, the union has negotiation meetings over the next two weeks with City Colleges to reach their contract demands. The union of roughly 1,500 workers has been in negotiations since October of last year and started a strike authorization vote on September 28th. The union announced that 92 percent of the more than 1,200 voting members approved the strike back on October 6th. City College's workers are demanding annual compensation increases that take the current rate of inflation into account. They're currently being offered increases of 3% per year. They're also looking for smaller class sizes, lab assistance, and more public investment for what they described as the common good, said Johnston. A letter of their demands reads, quote, Our faculty and professionals teach and provide support to over 60,000 students enrolled in the City Colleges of Chicago. We provide the most affordable and excellent post-secondary opportunities for working families in Chicago. Veronica Ressa, a spokesperson with City Colleges, said in a statement that, quote, City Colleges is committed to negotiating in good faith with each of our professionals and faculty unions to finalize their respective contracts. That's Crane's Daily just for now. Check in on our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to today's guest, Crane's reporter, Corley J. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review Crane's Daily Gist. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.